Hi, and welcome to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk with Stevie and Sandy Songer, and they're going to talk to us a little bit about um, their story with carving, but also specifically how they work together, because they're definitely a team, and give us some tips and advice on how that all works out. Hi, Stevie. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Molly. Hi, Chainsaw <laughs> yeah, hi, good. Great here in this part of the world. So I'm going to jump right in and ask you the first question I have for you. How long have you all been carving, and did you guys start before or after you met? We've been carving for 19 years, and we definitely started after we met because we were in other businesses for several years before we ever started carving. I think 15 years we'd been married before we started carving. We're like really old people. <laughs> and so, because we've been married for 34 years now. It's a, and chainsaw carving and staying married is a quite a feat. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one thing I was going to ask you, um, how... How does working together work out, or how do you make it work? Ooh, that would be a scary thing for a young couple to start out doing. I would not recommend that at all, unless they're two exceptionally healthy, well-adjusted people who uh, are relaxed about everything, But uh, and I'm not. So <laughs> I could not work for myself. I really could. I'm demanding, obsessive, compulsive. And the more stressed I get, the worse I get. I say things that I shouldn't say to anyone, and but she is the most forgiving person in the world. And uh, it works like that. She carries about 100%, and I carry zero, <laughs> and it works. But He does all the heavy lifting. How about that? <laughs> no. I'm not talking about hey, physical. I'm talking about she puts up with a lot of stuff that most people couldn't put up with. And uh yeah. It is. Well, that's good advice. I tell a story to people that ask when we were very, very young, hadn't been married very long. I think our son was only like a, a year and a half old at the most. We ran paper routes to su supplement our other jobs so that we could make it, you know, because when you're young, you have to do whatever you can. If you learn to get up at midnight and go out with your husband and do a paper route till 7 a.m. in the morning and get along, you can probably make it. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so how did how did you guys get started carving? Like, where did you pick it up? Or what's your story there? Uh, you know, I had never even considered such a thing. Uh, I had a outdoor power equipment business, basically chainsaws and lawnmowers, sold them and repaired them. And I could not handle the when people in that business dealing with the public and that nature, they're not happy when they come to see you. And so it was getting me down. I wanted out of that basically, but one of my sales representatives happened to chainsaw car part time. And he assured me that if I really wanted to, I could get into that and make some money. And I was just dumb enough to believe him. So I got into <laughs> it and gave it a try. He gave me about a 30-minute lesson. And uh, so I jumped in there, and he lied to me. I could not do it. <laughs> and I had probably the least amount of talent of anyone who's ever even thought about doing it. I, mean, I could not pick up the simple concepts that other people take for granted. 
I can vouch for that. He's telling the truth there. But uh, I really didn't have anything else to do, so I just persistence and too dumb to quit, I guess, and uh, kept at it and kept at it. He worked really hard. So after maybe seven or eight years, I gave up and said I couldn't. <laughs> I was I was still embarrassed to show my stuff in public after that long, and so I quit for a while. And then I was, somebody told me I'd have to get a real job, and so I decided that was even worse. So I would, I went back and tried again, and and things started to pick up a little bit then, but uh, it did not come easy. Yeah. So for those seven, there you said seven or eight years. Had you had any contact with any carvers other than that first carver that showed you, gave you the quick lesson? You know, the strange thing was we hadn't, for the first, what was it, a couple of years, we'd never seen anyone else carve. We wanted to see someone carve something. We drove all the way to Reno, Nevada, which is basically, what I don't know, almost 2,000 miles, miles, just to watch them carve. They had a little contest there. And we got there and we were so disappointed because they were carving slabs, which is nothing wrong with slabs. But at that time, I just wanted to see them carving around log. But uh, no, I got no help in that matter. That's, but about that time was when the, uh, the old forms started going, the old carving post and such. And so I imagine everyone just devoured those things. Every word that was said, I can tell you step by step of every word had they had on it and every, uh, I still remember words people said. Sure. So was it pretty easy to find the forum or how do you, do you remember how you stumbled across it? I really don't. Uh, Someone told us about it. I really don't. Yeah. But that was not the first one. I do remember that. There was one before that. that, Okay. But uh, that was when it went big. So you said that both of you had different jobs before carving. How did you... How were you able to transition from your other jobs into carving? How did that work out? You know, basically the only reason we were able to do it just cold turkey is because we had no debt. And that's basically it. Uh, having no debt and not much, uh, we didn't have to have a lot of income. I jumped in basically after six weeks practice and went full time. And uh, it makes me shudder to think of the things I was selling. But I did learn that if you will... <laughs> if, if you beg people to buy them, they won't buy them. If you cry, all kinds of things. If you can sell some pretty ugly bears if you sell them cheap enough, let's put it like that. <laughs> that was persistent, and uh, it, it seemed like it took forever, but it got better. But that's how we did it: was having no debt. And but we were also pretty lucky to have. I mean, like almost the world's largest flea market is about 120 miles from us so we oh it's probably further than that but we would go down there once a month and sell this trailer load full of junk and that's what got us through those first few years until he finally started making stuff that was decent okay that's a good tip to kind of have something else going on yeah no her junk her junk was my carvings that (laughs) (laughs) i was i was thinking she meant you guys were like pulling together some of your no, other no, stuff no, no. and selling it on the side. I mean, I mean poor carving. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she's referring to your carving. We were carving full time every day as much as we could carve, and we'd fill a trailer load full of this stuff that was just pitiful looking. And we'd go down there, and they would actually buy it. We were so shocked. <laughs> 
I, I think we all feel like that when we look back at our carvings. We're we're all wondering how how they sold mm-hmm. early on. <laughs> I still I still think that though. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're kind of, you're a typical artist. A lot of artists are really uh, hard on themselves or really pick apart their own work. You have no idea how hard he is on himself. <laughs> uh, really high standards and very low talent, and that presents stress. That's a formula for stress. And- so. Yeah. So my next question for you guys, how do you decide what events to go to? What do you look for in an event? Oh, our situation is probably different than a lot because we actually have a uh, tourist operation here in a little shop in a tourist town. And we don't have to travel. Uh, we do it to keep it interesting, to see friends, to mm-hmm. see the country. Uh, but at the same time, when we do go, we still have to have income. I mean, it's income always helps. We carvers squander the money, so we need money to squander. <laughs> and so we look at events and say, what ways are there to make money at that one? Some kind of money. You know, it doesn't have to be a full income. But it has to pay something. for the trip. Yeah, <laughs> you need something. Sure. And... You can't really count on uh, prize money is not very dependable. Even for the best of carvers, you can't really depend mm-hmm. on that, especially if for us not so best of the carvers. Yeah. So we look for that. We look for who's going to be there or any of our friends there uh, or the what part of the country it's in. Like, uh, say, Colorado in middle of the summer where it's 100 degrees and humid down here in the south. We like to go to Colorado. That's nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, and whether it's a judged competition or whether it's auction based, those factors, they, they tend to factor in as well. Yeah. Okay. I know. I definitely, I, I also, I have a full-time job besides carving. So I always pick events based on where I would like to go. Like you said, when you want to go to Colorado. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. So have you guys created a style together or do you each kind of have your own preference or own personal style? How does that work out? You know, I've noticed lately that when we sign up for events and see her name, they never even, they don't even refer to us as individuals anymore. They just say Stevie and Sandy Songer. So I guess I consider ourselves the two as one now. Uh, We're just Stevie and Sandy. (laughs) Really, uh, she knows what I like, and uh, I know what she can do, and it's almost unspoken now until she messes up, and then, <laughs> oh, my goodness, <laughs> and then she needs instructed a little bit, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a, we're just a team now, really, we're just a one team instead of two individuals almost, and even when, even okay. when we're at a contest, of course, and you, and you can't have a helper, there's a she still has to turn around and tell me what do I, how do I apply this finish? What do I spray this with? I don't even know that stuff. And so we're still, she's still doing it and she's still handing all the details in the background because I'm helpless about uh, even signing papers or anything. So she does, she takes care of everything of that nature. Even when you can't have a helper, she's still doing it. You can get this tool ready for him to use and you can get that tool ready for him to use. You can make sure the sealer's sitting there ready for him when he needs mm. it. All of those little things that take time away from the competition piece, it helps to have a helper to do that. Where I can't actually touch the right. the 
carving, but I can do all of those things in the background and that's always allowed. So I guess to answer the question, no, we don't have, yeah. I don't think we have individual styles anymore, do we? It's yeah. just one, one, the two are one now, I guess. Okay. No, and I can totally understand. My husband doesn't even carve, but he's usually with me. And, and sometimes I turn to him and I'm like, you know, when I'm, when I'm painting fish, do I, do I put the stain on and then the paint and then seal or, and he's like, uh -huh. no, no, no. Usually you, you know, <laughs> it's just funny because sometimes if it's been a while, I can't remember. And he, he, for some reason always remembers. So and he hates, I do the same Stevie thing. literally hates to do finished work. Oh, I do. And so, and, and I, that's, I'm better at that. I like that part. So it works really well that he does most of the carving and I do most of the finished work. So then when he's in a competition, he kind of tends to ask me about the finished work. He knows what he wants it to look like, but he's not always sure exactly how to make it look that way, where I've been doing it so I can tell him how to do it. Sure. That makes sense. So next question, what, what carving business or travel tips do you have for other carvers? Hmm. Pack it simple. <laughs> take take as yeah. few items as you can possibly make do with. <laughs> I, I wonder that if that's just me because I see some guys bring like bring everything they own and I'm like, I guess I'm lazy because I hate trying to keep everything organized and finding everything. So I like to keep it a little bit simple, but uh, that's probably just me and my weird personality. Uh, one thing I did think of, and I wasn't the one that I remember uh, Pat Holbert said this one time uh, young carvers starting out they tend to think if i just practice just a little more i'll be able to do like these really top level carvers do and they struggle so much financially trying to make sales and stuff and i remember pat holbert giving advice saying when you're starting out like that pick something and just at least get good at something one subject at least you, that doesn't mean that's all you can do but get good at something whether it's horses or deer, even bears, anything, but get good at something so you'll have a place to stand on there. And uh, then later you can catch up on your other stuff. But I would tell Lewis to get good at something right away as soon as you can. I cringe so often when I see people struggling to go to some events and make a sale and do something. And I just, it really, I feel for them. No, that's a good point. I, I know I've talked about this before in the podcast, but I take, I mainly just take orders and do commissions. And so I carve a toucan and then I carve a wolf and then I carve, I mean, a frog and then I carve. And I, so I, I struggled with that for a long time. And Steve Higgins told me the same thing. He's like, you need to find something and focus on it and carve it over and over for a while until you, until you just really know it. Right. And once you do that, it may seem like you're carving one thing, but all of a sudden you can take that one thing, say it's a horse. All of a sudden, you know, a horse so well that you can put it in a, a hundred different applications with it. Right. Whether it's. Add movement to it. Right. Put and it in different body positions. And I, I watch Stevie with his bears and he just amazes me. He can pretty much put a bear in any kind of position he wants it to be in. And it looks like it's supposed to look. Right. Because he's carved so many in so, in all these years. You're not supposed to say it publicly. It's not accepted in the world. <laughs> <laughs> 
I what did TV say? <laughs> I told her she's not supposed to say that publicly. That's not accepted in the clothing world. <laughs> you can't call bears. What do you mean, bears? <laughs> I'm an artist. Don't want to know. <laughs> no. Uh, so what were we, we were on? Um, uh, carving business or travel tips? Right. I didn't know if you had any more. Otherwise, uh, travel tips, boy, I don't know. Uh, I see so many who are able to travel with minimal. Uh, what do you call it? Minimal uh, accommodations. They, they sleep in their car. And uh, <laughs> I guess I'm just a big sissy. I really have trouble doing that. Uh, I'm just not very good <laughs> at roughing it that way. And I. I smell bad after about an hour of carving and after a week, I don't know. So I think I'm just a big sissy. So on that, I can't, really can't give advice because I broke down and, you know, got some decent car, uh, travel means. And uh, so uh, oh, that would just be to fit the person. Uh, I think if you're hauling your wife around and maybe kids, maybe you should have something a little better than sleeping in the car, but maybe they like it. I don't know. So. I know one thing I, a couple of years ago, we went out to Reedsport and we were camping mm-hmm. um, and there weren't any showers and I'm like, Oh, what am I going to do? You know, and the, the local people were like, Oh, don't swim in the river. It's really brackish, you know? And so we actually found um, there was a campsites. Typically you can pay to shower. So we found a campsite that wasn't too far away and we could just pay a few dollars for a shower. Um, Sometimes too, I know in the Midwest here, truck stops have showers and a lot of times at hotels, you can pay like five bucks to swim and there's a shower oh, in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so you, can, you can pay to swim and then use their shower. <laughs> Preferably before. The state parks typically are uh, less expensive to stay at than say RV, gra- RV campgrounds. We have learned that RV parks and stuff cost more than state parks. And usually you can go to a state park and use their showers, like you say. Yeah, because a lot of times, like you said, if you're camping or roughing it or in the truck, or you definitely need to find a shower if you're carving. (laughs) Some do. (laughs) Yes, some do. (laughs) (laughs) And and the rest of them are sitting alone at lunch. Oh, good. Cool. But now, um, I just... So, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I say, I know that uh, people, uh, different people, it's hard to give advice on business and travel and stuff because what I like, other people just, you know, trying to make them like me. And so it's hard to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, everybody has different opinions. Right. A lot of times, too, when we talk about the business end of it, you know, um one person on a podcast will give advice and then on the next podcast the person says the opposite (laughs) but I think it's I think it's it's good for people to be able to hear both sides because then they can decide for themselves you know what they what they think works Mm -hmm. best for them what works best for us is to keep everything paid off so that we can go do what we want to do yeah that's a good point yep debt definitely keeps you tied down Either get you a spouse with a really good paying job or develop consistency in going to work. Uh, and that's hard to do when you don't have someone telling you to get out there. But being consistent, consistency beats talent nearly every time. So, 
stories to stay Sure, yeah, just being able to get going every yeah. day when you work for yourself and you don't necessarily have to. Exactly. There's nobody but, making but you. But if you will consistently <laughs> put out that same amount, you know, do at least do something every single day, it adds up. Instead, instead of swinging for the home run all day. Right. I've been able to hang out with you guys at different carving events. And one thing that I feel like I've noticed and everybody else says about you guys is that you both have such positive attitudes and good vibes all the time. What's your secret to always looking on the bright side and just having a good time no matter where you're at and what's going on? Uh, Sandy's perfect. <laughs> no, Sandy's the professional with that. Sandy was born with that, uh, so she knows the secret. I don't. That's <laughs> uh, so hard to answer because uh, that's what I want to be, but in my eyes, I'm falling so short of it every single time. Uh, I have been to where you in a, situations where you feel so intimidated and you feel out of place. And so I have an eye for spotting some people doing that. And I try to help that person, try to reach out to that person. But uh, I struggle with it so myself that I feel so uh, locked up, frozen, so frozen. Uh, and so that's all I'm seeing is how I'm failing at that. And uh, He doesn't fail. It, he just feels that <laughs> way. But it leaks out, I guess. Uh, but uh, I say it leaks out. I mean, this feels like uh, – egotistical thing to say that it comes out but, uh, so but let's go back to sandy that's easier sandy when i met her she was that way and she hasn't changed it's uh she uh is world famous for it and i wish i could be like her but uh uh i just feel like i have handcuffs on and trying to be that way i wonder if because you said that Often, you know, if, if at events, if you feel intimidated or you feel like you're falling short, and then you said you try to look look sometimes for other people that are feeling that way. I wonder if because you feel that way, you have a lot of empathy, and it helps you um, when you reach out to others. Then, you know, it seems you're being a positive influence on other carvers because you're noticing. Like some people wouldn't notice. Some people wouldn't have that empathy. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. He is very good at seeing others' pain. He's yep. very good at that. Yeah. And so he tries to reach out and help them to feel comfortable, at least, to feel welcomed. Yeah. No, that's a good point because, and we all feel that way at different times. At some events, you know, I feel at home because I know people or I know the event and and I am comfortable. And then sometimes when you're at a new event... Um, I'm pretty introverted, so it's hard for me in a new situation with lots of people to be outgoing and chill and relaxed. And so I'd be the person that would need you to help me chill out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm a split personality though. Once I get relaxed, I'm a different person. Uh, but it takes me out a good, comes the banjo. <laughs> uh, it, it takes me a good while to do that though. Uh, I think generally it takes about three years going to the same event, seeing the same people over and over. After about three years, you finally feel comfortable with those particular people. And you, you it's like family then from then on, every time you see them, no matter where you are. Yeah. The first year, you can't even remember the people's name after you leave. And, and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And, but it... I know it's fun to... 
after a while, my kids start to, you know, remember people even and say like, is so-and-so going to be at this event? It is fun. It Uh is like family. That is the most difficult question that you could possibly have come up with. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, just tell us your secrets. I see it happening that way. I see it as just, I wish I could be that way, but I'm not, you know. It's funny, people, other people often see us different than we see ourselves, too. That's true. Because they don't see all the internal things going on. So, so what, what else do you guys want to talk about that we haven't talked about? What else would you want to tell other carvers, either about you or about carving in general? Uh, I would like to give my full opinion upon CNCs. (laughs) (laughs) Strike that part, Molly. (laughs) No, I'm like everyone else. I have an opinion, but I'm also uh, thinking about running for president someday. So I'm going to skip that part. (laughs) Uh, Sandy, you, what is your? I don't know. Give it. I don't have an opinion. I didn't mean an opinion. <laughs> if you wanted an opinion, we could just call up Jim Dinkins or somebody and get an opinion. <laughs> no. uh, I really like that we can go on Facebook or on the Chainsaw Carving posts and everything. I really like that that has evolved into what it is. It keeps us all together we can watch each other and and keep each other come you know get to know each other better by watching everybody online and and i have really enjoyed that over the last few years because when we first started you couldn't do that yeah that's a good point and i like that with social media it's in pretty real time so you know what events are going on and what people are up to and there's so many new yeah. people nowadays on the last i've watched it progress quickly for the past 20 years, but the last five years, some of these new guys, oh my goodness, they're just uh, so good, so progressing fast. so fast. And, you know, talent wise, I could never even competed with it, but I noticed that they're, they're really singled in on their, uh, it's like uh, they live it and breathe it. And I think I can never do that because I'm divided in so many different directions. I have like, wake up in the morning and I got to get out of bed quickly because I got, like five hobbies and I got to get to every single one of them. And before he goes to work, <laughs> before I get to work, and oh my goodness. It's, uh, and I think, how are you going to compete with these guys who have been staying up late every night drawing and stuff? And I said, well, I'm not, that's just the bottom line. I'm not, but the things they're doing is amazing. And, uh, yeah, I can't compete with them, but, uh, I just do what I can do. There's a lot of talent out there these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there definitely is. And like you said, even if you're even if you're a phenomenal carver and you go to events, there's no no guarantees at, at prize money. No, Correct. there's not. <laughs> Correct. Poor judges. <laughs> judging is tough, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine the way their ears burn at night? <laughs> Ju- judging is one of those things where everybody's not rushing to uh, <laughs> to be part of it. <laughs> Right. Oh, but so nobody calls Stevie to be a judge because it's not gonna happen. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have the nerve to do that. No. So I admire you ones who do, and and I'm glad we have them. 
I know, right? You're, yeah, we're all we're all glad that people will judge, but not, but we don't want to. Be to say, learn a little bit about what they're doing, right? <laughs> well, this has been a good well, thank talk. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for putting up with us. I wish I could make a complete sentence, but uh, I've given up on that. Oh no, no, this has been fine. I love how I love how conversational it is, and it's just cool to hear people. Like people be real and talk about, you know, who they are and what they do. And I think other carvers really like being able to hear from people because I like social media, but you don't always get a sense uh, of who the people are uh, you know, you, from you the only picture. Get a bad picture. <laughs> I so <Yep. laughs> appreciate you doing this and um, putting this podcast thing together so that other people can get to know the carvers that maybe they don't get to see very often. And I think it's so neat that you do it. I also think that somebody out there needs to go around to all the events and and oh. at least tell the winners of each event. You know, it would be so cool to have somebody that would just go around and, and report, I guess is the word. <laughs> right. And I wonder if there could be uh, like one location where we put them all do you know what I mean because I I see people telling who won events but it's kind of all over the place on different news feeds you know we we should make a place where it's like um just like you said reporting the winners of events that way there wouldn't even have to be somebody that went around to all of them whoever put on the event could just go to that site and post it right because like when I'm at events I do Facebook live videos and I say who won and but if I don't get it posted to the right places people won't see it so we should maybe just have a Facebook page that is like chainsaw carving event results or something <laughs> that would be really neat yeah I don't know how to set that kind of stuff up you'll have to do that for us Molly <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> putting a bug in your ear here we go <laughs> yeah well hopefully I get to see you guys somewhere this summer. I hope so. I'm excited to start. We yeah. have a few more events this year. We didn't go much last year, but I think we have five this year. So we're doing we're doing a little bit more this year. Thank you for listening to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. Make sure that you go and check out our other episodes. And if you want to help support the podcast or get the word out, please be sure to um, like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and share the podcast. If you have any ideas for who I should interview next or different topics that you want to hear about, you can email me, wistywoodworks at gmail.com.